Let me add my uh, happy Mother's Day welcome to all the moms in the room and, and also to those that might be hurting today. Uh, we care for you and we're glad that you're here with us. I was thinking about that story that we just heard read by Amy and nowhere in the text do we find the word uh, grace. And yet, it's one of the most profound stories of God's grace that you could possibly think of. Sometimes, you know, we as followers of Jesus and in the church, we use the word grace a lot and it can become kind of a mundane or routine. And, and we need to remember what grace really is. Grace is an unmerited gift. It's a gift that uh, we could never earn nor could we even discover it on our own if we tried. A grace is like, like the, the greatest surprise of God's love to which all we can say is just, wow, grace. Getting what we could never earn, that which we certainly don't deserve. And the story that we just uh, heard has grace's fingerprints all over And so for the next few minutes, I just want us to make some observations. We're calling them four notes of grace, okay? Four notes of grace. And the first note of grace that I notice in the text is that Jesus knows no boundaries. He's talking with a Samaritan woman, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But when you think about it, in any culture, even in any town, like there's certain boundaries, Right? There are certain boundaries that we don't cross. There are certain people groups that some people, well, they just avoid, right? I mean, you've got great rivalries like, you know, the Ohio State Buckeyes and then that place up north. Like, there's a boundary there, right? And we don't cross it, right? Um, or I think about, man, the rivalry and almost the vehement hatred <laughs> between Browns fans and Steelers fans, right? When, when my son Carter was only, I think he was probably like five years old, I took him to his first, and I think it was his only, NFL football game. I went with our friend Eric, and we went, I mean, we, we, we pulled into the tailgating parking lot, and as soon as we get out of the car, there's Browns fans and there's Steelers fans, and they're fighting. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I leaned over to Carter, and I'm like, buddy, I just want to tell you something. Today, you're going to see some things. And you're going to hear some things that you should never do or say. And it was just like right out of the gate. I mean, just people, hey, blah, blah. I mean, it, they were just at each other. Every culture has boundaries, right? And certain people that we try to avoid. And in Jesus' day, one of the greatest boundaries, one of the, one of the greatest kind of rivalries was between Jewish people and the Samaritans. You see, the Samaritans were considered kind of a, like a, a half-breed, and, and they were considered pagan. They worshipped idols. And Jews hated the Samaritans, and Samaritans, they hated the Jews. So much so that, just like in this text, Jesus is actually uh, traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee, which leaves Samaria right in between the two. And, I mean, if you were to take the normal pathway, you'd go through Samaria— but Jews would go out of their way. They'd cross the Jordan River, travel north, and then have to cross the Jordan River again just to even avoid going into the territory of Samaria. That's how bad it was. 
And yet, in the text that we just heard, Jesus says, I'm on my way to, uh, to Galilee, and, and he uses this phrase. He says, I must go to Samaria. I must. Jesus was a man on a mission. And I don't know, did, did he know that he was going to meet this woman at the well ahead of time, or did he just know God was calling him to move north and to go through Samaria? And it's a reminder to us that Jesus knows no boundaries. And then it gets even worse, <laughs> at least worse from, a, from a, a good Jewish person's standpoint, because then it says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water at the well, and Jesus asked her, please give me a drink. Now, <laughs> it was one thing to travel through Samaria. It was a whole other thing to actually speak to a Samaritan person. No good Jewish rule-following citizen would even speak to a Jewish person, let alone a Jewish woman. In that society, in that cultural time, women were just kind of degraded and considered less than, and a, a Jewish man wouldn't even talk to another woman, especially a Samaritan woman, and here Jesus breaks another cultural boundary, and he reaches out to her, and he then asks her for something, like shows need in his own life, and says, would you mind getting me a drink of water? Jesus knows no boundaries. So you might be here this weekend, and you're like, yeah, I don't know if Jesus would come to my side of the tracks. <laughs> I mean, does he really know what's going on in my life? And, or maybe you, you know somebody that you think, man, there's just no way they'd ever come to church. There's no way uh, that they'd ever turn towards Jesus or spiritual things. Well, that's what the Jews thought about the Samaritans. But Jesus, <laughs> it's not that he didn't know about the boundary. He just chose to live outside of the boundary, out of love and out of care. That leads us to a second note of grace that we see in the text, and that is that Jesus also knows us to the core. He knows no boundaries, but Jesus knows us to the core. Uh, what a great verse to, to think about on Mother's Day. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Like God has a part, God has a hand. It's why we do baby bottles and raise money for places like uh, Heartbeat of Ottawa County because we believe in life, life at conception. And, and in that moment, God is at work. He knows all the intricacies of our life. I love what Hebrews says, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. We can't hide from God. Or Proverbs uh, 5.21 says, For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. This is another note of grace, because even though God knows us to the core, he still loves us to the core. Even though God Jesus knew all about this woman at the well in her life, and we'll see what he points out and reminds her about in a few moments. He doesn't, he doesn't avoid her. He still 
talks to her. He still engages with her. He knows no boundaries, and he knows us to the core. Now, sometimes we think we can hide from God, right? Like It's like a little kid playing hide-and-seek, right? And, and, and like a little child, they just think that if they don't see you, then you can't see them. And yet, <laughs> in full view, right? And of course, as good parents, like we just play along. But sometimes I think we think of God in this way, like, well, I can't see God, so maybe I can just hide from him, that he can't see me. And the woman at the well, you know, she's there at the well, and she's all alone, probably because she's been ostracized by her society. I mean, she's a Samaritan, but even the Samaritans don't like her because of her lifestyle. Even the Samaritans, who are irreligious, are judging her for who she was. And she probably thought, well, I'm, I'm just going to go to the well alone at a different time than, all, than the normal time when all the other ladies come to the well because I don't want to be looked at. I don't want to be talked about. I don't want to be gossiped about. And she thought she could just hide from everybody, but she could not hide from Jesus because he knows no boundaries and he knows us to the core. And then Jesus, Jesus points this out. In, in verses 16 and 18, he says, hey, uh, go, go get your husband. And, it, and at first glance, you know, that would have been a normal question, like, I shouldn't be here alone with a woman, and, you know, I don't, you know, as a good Jew, I'm not even going to talk, usually I wouldn't even talk to Samaritans, I certainly shouldn't be talking to you, um, but maybe if your husband comes, we could have a conversation. But that's not why Jesus is asking her the question. She, he says, go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't, I don't have a husband. And Jesus replies, you're right, you don't have a husband you've had five different husbands. And the person that you're living with now isn't even your husband. <laughs> See, Jesus, he's not afraid to say hard things or to call us out. And, and he comes asking her for water. And yet he's really pointing to a greater need in her life. Jesus knows us to the core, you guys. We can't hide from him. And yet he... he he engages with her, and, and before he even said those words, like says, hey, what about your husband? Before that, <laughs> I want us to look at the, these other verses, because before that even happens, before Jesus goes there, first, Jesus offers the gift of real life to her. That's the third note of grace. Look at the text, verse, verse 10. It says, Jesus replied, "If only, can you just hear like his like the, the compassion, the care, the, like, the hurt for her. He says, if only you knew. If only you knew the gift that God has for you and who it is that you're speaking to. He says, and you would ask me. And Jesus says, and I'd give you living water. It's like Jesus is looking at her with such eyes of compassion, even though he knows her to the very core. And he's like, oh my God, this just this is aching in my soul. If only you knew. And I bet some of you, I bet you some of you moms in the room, you have kids or grandkids, and you're like, oh, if only they knew. If only they knew how much Jesus loves them. If only they knew God's purposes for their lives. 
And you, you lift up prayers for your kids and your grandkids. And Jesus, he's moved with such compassion for this woman. If only you knew, you would ask me for something, even though I've asked you for something. And he says, what, you, what you'd receive from me is living water. So Jesus is trying to point to something different altogether than the water that he's first initially asked her for. Jesus would do this all the time. He would just use a natural thing, a natural need, a natural desire, and then he would give it supernatural spiritual meaning to point to something deeper, richer, more, more soulful that is a need in our lives. He says, I'd give you living water. You know how important water is? Like, we don't get it here. Like, it's, it's all out there. Like, I mean, we've got plenty of water. But there's places in the world where people are dying because they don't have access to clean water. Um, a few years ago, I got to go to India with Pastor Jay, and we've, our church has adopted a, a, a region in India, and we got to be there at a dedication of a water well at a community center, which also is a church. That's why they do this. They, they put the water well at the church in the middle of the community so that people who don't care about Jesus or about this living water, they're like, well, we need something to drink, though, and we need clean water, and the church says they'll let us have it. And so they come, and they gather, and, and the ladies you see there, they're, they're, I mean, just like this woman was at the well, these ladies, they, they would come to the well on a, on a regular basis and with these huge basin jars, and they'd carry them on their heads. And you should have seen, I wish I could play you the video of the celebration that was happening. I mean, people just cheering and chanting and yelling and singing because they've got clean water. And just like we need clean water to live, we need the living water of Jesus that he offers to really experience life the way that God designed us to experience it. And that's why Jesus says in verse 13 and 14, listen, anybody who drinks this water, they're just going to be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. And he wasn't talking about physical thirst. He was talking about a deeper soul thirst. He says, you're going to keep searching until you drink of me. He says, in fact, it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So I wonder, what, what do we try to satisfy the thirst of our souls with? Right? I, I mean, we try to satisfy these deepest parts of who we are. For the woman at the well, she'd had five husbands. She just went from man to man to man to man. But it doesn't have to be that. It could be, it could be anything. We can, we can search to, 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 to fill the thirst of our soul with, with money, with stuff, with power, with control, with impressing others, with our family, with our portfolio, with, with our yard. I mean, like we can, we can search to, to fill this thirst on our own, but the problem is... The thirst just keeps coming back, doesn't it? It just keeps coming back, nagging at our souls until we finally... This is why Jesus was saying, oh, if only you knew to this woman at the well. 
That's why he gives the invitation. I love later, we'll get to this in John chapter 7. He, he kind of repeats himself. He says, listen, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. See, Jesus is, he's not wanting us to just get by. He's wanting rivers of life to just be flowing through us to live an overflowing, abundant life, not that's without pain or hardships or sorrow, but even in the midst of those things, like we're full. We have something that, that money can't buy, that family can't replace, that it's so much more. And that leads us to the fourth note of grace that I see in the text, and that is it's hard to keep the grace of Jesus to yourself. So Jesus is having this interaction with this woman at the well who he shouldn't even be talking to, and yet he's talking to her because he knows no boundaries. And he's pointing out things about her life and, real, and, and that, that others may not have known or may, may have known, and they judged her for, and yet he knows her to the core, and yet he continues to interact with her, and he offers her the gift of real life. If only you knew, you'd, you'd ask me for this living water. And so then he starts to explain it to her. And something is clicking in her life in this moment. And she can't help but then share it with others. Look at the text in verse 28. It says, The woman left her water jar beside the well, which you would never leave your water jar. They were too valuable. Uh, and, and she ran back to the village telling everybody, Come and see. She says, Come and see. A man told me everything that I ever did. And could he possibly be? The Messiah, like the, the thirst of her soul, had been awoken. And, and, and she's, she's sensing and wondering and questioning, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the one that the Jewish people have been proclaiming and trying to tell people about? She can't help it. And, and what strikes me as well is that... Is that she goes back to the very people, the Samaritans, who the Jews hate. She goes back to tell them about Jesus, the very group of people that had ostracized her and judged her. It's probably why she was all by herself out at the well in the middle of the day. But she can't help but go tell them. She goes to tell the most unlikely people to believe in Jesus as Savior, the Samaritans. They didn't want anything to do with a Jew. But she's like, this, this guy, there's something. He, he knows everything about my entire life. Knows me to the core, and yet he's asking me for, for a drink of water, and he's offering me this, this living water. And it says, then they said to the woman, that they, they came out from the town to... to to talk to Jesus, to, to see what this was all about. And it says, they said to the woman, now, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. You guys, this is the grace of Jesus. And, and Jesus, he then looks at some of his disciples that must have been there with him, and he says, hey, wake up, look around. The fields, they are ripe for harvest. He was saying, don't avoid Samaria. 
Don't avoid the Samaritan. Don't avoid the outcast. Don't avoid the person that you think would never give God a chance. And if you're here this weekend and you're like, I don't know if God would ever give me a chance. This is a message to you that says uh, he knows you to the core and he would come sit and offer you the same living water. He knows no boundaries. That's grace. He knows us to the core and loves us still. That is grace. He offers us the gift of real life. That is grace. And once you've discovered that, it's hard to keep it to yourself. Jesus has called us to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. We're not done. There's still people on the peninsula that don't know Jesus. There's still people in Zimbabwe that don't know Jesus. There's still people all around the globe. And Jesus is looking over his world and he says, if only they knew. If only they knew the gift that I could offer them. It's interesting that Jesus uses this concept of thirst with the woman at the well. I mean, he starts by asking her for a drink, but it's really to point to the thirst in her soul. And that makes me think of one other time in the scriptures as recorded where Jesus said those words, I thirst. He spoke those words from the cross as he was suffering and dying and dehydrated and bleeding. And Jesus said, I thirst. And they offered him, you know, some, some wine on a sponge and yet he rejected it. Jesus didn't quench his own thirst on the cross so that he could so that he could quench the thirst of our souls by his sacrifice, giving his life. And so this weekend as we close our service, we're we're going to celebrate communion. Uh, when you came in, hopefully you got some a little cup, a communion element. If you didn't get one of those and you'd like to share communion with us, you're invited and um, just raise a hand if you didn't get a cup, and one of our team members would be glad to... Yep, we got someone right down here in the front that could use one. And one of our team members will bring, bring you some communion elements. And the, on the top is a, is a little wafer. You pull back the thin layer. You don't have to do that right now. I'm just explaining. Um, and then you pull back the foil layer, the thicker foil layer, and you come to the juice, and you can help each other out if you need help. But today, we want to just allow you to take communion when you're ready, to continue to ponder the woman at the well, to continue to ponder God's incredible grace. And our worship team is going to lead us in a song, and we can sing, or you can sit and listen. And then when you're ready, in the midst of the song, you just take those communion elements by yourself whenever you're ready. And maybe just whisper a prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Let's worship him. Take communion as you're ready.